the challenge in the beginning, John, as you know, is just like, hey, I don't know what I want to do. This is the common concern. So the best answer for people is to not do anything. And I realized that's not going to work for me. Why don't I explore, explore, explore? Because if I do some things, I'll get some feedback and I could use that to get more clarity. So instead of waiting for the clarity to come to me, I kind of realize I have to do something and it doesn't need to be the final answer. It might not even work, who cares? At least I need to start in that direction. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome back, Contrarian Cashflow. Today, I've got Katen Patel with me. Katen, what is going on? John, very excited to be on the show with you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I love your story. And I, I've got a little soft spot in my heart because in my corporate career, it started in helping nurses and, and the pharmacy side. So I'm excited to kind of hear where you started and where you've taken it to today. So for those folks that don't know, so Caden is a former pharmacist, a coach, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and just crushing it out there right now. So Caden, what do you have working on right now? Right now, just working on more passive investments and teaching more people how to get results faster and raise capital. Well, that's what it's all about, right? How can we more, work more efficiently and get things done at a quicker time frame so we can get to what we really want to do, right? <laughs> time with family, friends, enjoy life, right? Get back to living. So, well, let's start at the beginning of your journey because I think it's so interesting. I mean, you spent a lot of time in school and, and a lot of effort in, in getting these degrees and stuff. So so how did you start on this path and and kind of walk us through the progression of your career and where you are today? Yeah. So originally, I'm an immigrant from India. I came here. I was not speaking a word of English. And while learning English, I decided to get an accelerated doctor of pharmacy. I got the degree. I'm working and I'm realizing I'm not as fulfilled as I could be, right? And I need to diversify my income. I just can't rely on this corporate job. So I decided I tried a bunch of things. They didn't work out. A couple of the businesses that I tried to get off the ground, they didn't go anywhere. And then eventually I landed on real estate more as a hobby, just a curiosity. I didn't knew advanced techniques or things, but I'm like, you know, it seems interesting. Wouldn't be end of the world if I just buy a little property and see how that experience goes. And that unfolded like a different direction. Absolutely. So what was, so in that career, I know you said you, you got it, you spent all the time getting the farm, the doctor to pharmacy, and then you realized pretty early on, what was kind of that awakening? What was that like? And, and what, what was the realization that made you feel that, Hey, this isn't quite what I expected or offering the level of fulfillment that I thought it was going to. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of chaos going in the mind or money. Is it, is that the solution? Do I don't like this job because of this facet? What's going on? And one night I had a question that come up to me and I also realized asking right question is more important than searching answers. So the question to myself was, what if they start paying me million dollars a year? Ask me, you drink as much coffee as you want. You don't even need to work. You come in when you want, you leave when you want. Would I do the job? And my answer was no, like right away. And I was like, man, I am really like, why would somebody turn this down? Like, why am I turning it down? And then it really got me into thinking like, 
back in the day in India, when I was 14, I had this business on my bicycle, selling this software to people and marking it up. And it was so much fun. So I started realizing that we have certain values as as person, certain things are fun. And if I'm not living that, what's really the point? And it just kind of like one thing left into another. And that just started more questioning. I, I love that. I mean, asking better questions, asking the right questions. And, and the one you just alluded to is so powerful. I mean, if they if they kind of just let me come and go as I pleased and they would pay me a million dollars a year, would I still do this? And I think that's a really introspective question. And I think a lot of folks in the audience probably should maybe look at themselves and ask that question. And then, you know, is that something that they really should be continuing to do? you know, not necessarily, Hey, quit tomorrow, but at least think about and be conscious of is like, Hey, you know, is, should I start building and working on a framework? So you mentioned that you had, you know, had a couple entrepreneurial ventures, you know, earlier on in childhood, but you started trying some different business activities while you were a pharmacist in that career. So what led you down those different paths and how did you even come about to those different opportunities? Yeah. So the, the challenge in the beginning, John, as you know, is just like, Hey, I don't know what I want to do. This is the common concern. So the best answer for people is to not do anything. And I realized that's not going to work for me. Why don't I explore, explore, explore? Because if I do some things, I'll get some feedback and I could use that to get more clarity. So instead of waiting for the clarity to come to me, I kind of realized I have to do something and it doesn't need to be the final answer. It might not even work. Who cares? At least I need to start in that direction. And then I uh, come up with an on-call pharmacy business. I figured I'll relieve the independent pharmacy owners when they need a day off and that kind of stuff. Then I was trying to export aluminum scrap. You know, I, I've almost made that off the ground and all over the place. But the point is, I was like, I need to work on it, do something every week. And then as time went by, then I eventually landed on real estate. I love that. I mean, I just, I've kind of been equating entrepreneurship to the scientific method recently. And you're just constantly testing these different hypotheses, right? You're just like, Hey, I think this is going to work out this way. Oh, it didn't quite work out that way. Or, Hey, you know, you just are kind of taking these incremental steps. And of course, certain things that you don't think are going to be exponential end up becoming that. And the things you think are a sure, a surefire hit end up kind of, you know, dying out way before you think they should. So, so you mentioned you landed on real estate. So I know you had, you know, another you had real estate and you also have another venture from from a healthcare perspective. So what kind of started you down that path and and how much were you still working within the pharmacy at this point in time? Yeah. So in the beginning, I was a full-time pharmacist and I got the opportunity to buy the first property. I needed $25,000 and I only, I didn't have money. So I was like, what do I do at this point? So I convinced two other pharmacist friends to invest with me. So I'm like, okay, my 25,000 problem is an 8,000 problem now, right? It's a smaller thing. And then I opened up the 401k, put money into it that the employer was matching. And I pulled that out and used that to buy the first property. Then I bought two, three, four properties. The cash flow started building up, but I started asking myself, I need to be more strategic. And if my goal pharmacy in the next two years, I'm going to need so much equity to invest by the time these deals, you know, reap you the rewards, they go full cycle. So this is not for me. And also, you know, I need to be in it more full time and then a bunch of other angles. And then that led me to buy a senior care business. So as far as the time frame, you you just mentioned two years. So I think that's a struggle that a lot of people run into is, yeah. is what's the time frame that makes sense? And, and everybody's in different situations 
family commitment scenarios. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation you need to be overly communicative with your spouse too, right? You know, not everybody has the same comfort level of going out in some of these different ventures. So two years, how did you come about kind of in your mind saying, Hey, you know, if I get out in two years, why that time frame? Yeah. Cause you know, I'd already spent little good amount of time thinking and not doing anything, right? We all have that, you know, slow burn period where we have thought about it. We haven't. And I was like, you know what, if I'm not going to do it now, when would be a good time? I realize there's never going to be a perfect time where the finances are in order and family situations are good and everything kind of makes sense. And okay, you could comfortably make a move. Unfortunately, that doesn't come. And I also wanted to challenge myself I wanted to get an MBA, but then I decided why go to school, pay another $50,000, $60,000 a year, let me buy a business I know nothing about, turn it around, that would be my MBA. So that kind of added more juice to kind of, you know, go on that path. No, I mean, I think that that's tremendous. And I think that's a big question the audience needs to ask themselves if they are trying to make this transition on their own is, or, you know, with, with their, with their spouse or whoever it is, but you know, what does that time frame look like and what's the architecture? So one of the points that I think a lot of people get stuck on, and I know I have in the past as well, if not now, when, right? Because it's easy to kick the can down the road, right? I mean, you already mentioned, you alluded to, hey, you know, I kind of was kicking it. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to set this time frame. So what's your recommendation to folks out there that are trying to set a line in the sand, but maybe the situation they're in right now is comfortable. And so the the step over the line in the sand is going to be uncomfortable and have some, you know, it's going to be more challenging. So what's your what's your recommendation for folks that are in that situation? Yes. Yeah, so that's that's a great point, Joan, because a lot of times it's just we just don't have that awareness. If in reality, I've been trying to do something like this for two years, but I don't feel that pain yet, right? I, to me, it seems like, oh, it's something I'm looking to start next week, next month, next month. So what I would highly recommend one technique is every week, taking one hour or two hour, going to your favorite coffee shop or, or a spot, you are not bringing your phone, you're completely disconnected from family work everywhere. And really, really, you know, being introspective and asking yourself, okay, where do I want to head in my future? And if this is my goal, what did I do this week to get in that direction? So it's not a time to kind of blame yourself or be like, well, I'm not doing anything, but it's just a time to cultivate awareness. And what's going to happen if you do this thing one hour every week, sooner or later, you're going to realize, wow, you know, uh, this is my session number fifth or session number 10 with myself and it's free. And wow, I have all these goals. I want to do all this thing. But when I look at what I have done, it's not matching up. And that just kind of clicks into your mind like, wow, well, if I don't do anything new, how am I supposed to get any results? It just makes it pretty real for you. But otherwise, casually, if you think about it here and there, you don't have that space to really, you know, cultivate that. Well, and it's so funny. It always distills back to very simple tasks, right? You know, the yep. consistency and the introspection and, and then defining your tasks. Hey, what did I do? Like you said, it's not necessarily a session to beat yourself up, but just be realistic and honest with yourself. And I think that's, I think that's a struggle for a lot of people is sometimes it's scary to be honest and transparent with yourself and admit yes. where, Hey, I'm actually not my, the actions I'm taking are actually not aligning with the goals I say that I have, which is fine. 
but then you maybe need to look at your goals and potentially realign them and say, are, you know, are these goals really the goals that I want? Or are they just the goals that I'm saying that I want? Because my actions obviously aren't speaking to those. So I, I think that's extremely powerful. So, so tell us about this business. So you bought this senior care business. Did yeah, you have any knowledge of senior care from pharmacy at all? Or, you know, what did, what did, how did this go? No, not at all. So, uh, and, and honestly, I didn't even have money to buy that business either. So I had another challenge to solve is to finance that business, which I figured out a creative way. And I convinced the seller of the business to stay on board for six months. So I was working pharmacy full-time during the day and I would work the business in the evenings and kind of learn was extremely, extremely challenging because I already had, you know, 10 employees that slowly I grew. And then I learned and, and then I also realized it also taught me that all the information and all the knowledge in the world has its place, but there's always that point to jump. And if we don't learn, there's never like, there's never that point where it's just like, you know, we keep doing the analysis and paralysis and keep going round and round. So then I started and after that, after six months into it. And by the way, at that point, when I decided this, I have a lot of student loans. I've already lost all of my savings in another business venture that I haven't talked here, software related. So I have, I have no money to buy this business, student loans, lost all of my savings and the business I'm buying. Everything is based on few clients. They are seniors. A couple of the clients, something happened to them. It's a big problem. But I was like, you know what? I want to go for my possibilities. I don't want to subscribe to these limitations anymore. I was kind of fed up. And then that's where, you know, went into it. And then as I went through it, I realized that you could get new clients. You, you could always figure out a solution. Things are not as bad as we think they are, right? They're, the biggest risk is not taking the risk, actually. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So before you bought the business, had you been specifically looking at senior care or what made you kind of land on that particular business to purchase? Yeah. So I was thinking, I was looking at all sorts of stuff and I've also worked at liquor stores. I've managed liquor stores for like my family. So I'm familiar with that side. And I realized I want to buy a business where the multiple is great. The price I'm paying versus the cash flow is generating has to be solid for me to take the risk and make sense. It did. And then I figured being a pharmacist, I was seeing that the senior population wasn't really served the way I would have liked to. Uh, and, and there was only so much I could do in the pharmacy realm behind the counter, limited time. And I, so that spoke to me a little bit uh, and then me close to, you know, my grandparents and things like that. So I was like, OK, that makes sense from the emotional why purpose, business sense. It's making sense for the numbers and things like that. And then everything's kind of lining up to be like, OK, let's kind of go and go with that business versus a couple of the other opportunities. Yeah, and I'm sure you did your demographics research too, right? We've got the boomers coming coming hard and heavy. So uh, demographic-wise, you know, we're going to see a lot more patients or, uh, yeah, patients coming forward for, for that type of business. So as far as due diligence or research or education, you talked about, hey, I was thinking about getting my MBA, but you said, hey, why don't I just buy this business instead? So what type of pre-work did you do and, and how well equipped do you think you were to actually purchase the business? <laughs> Oh man, I I don't think I was that well equipped. I understand 
didn't do as much research onto the business and the industry, so to speak, as well as I as I could have done looking back in the hindsight. So I wasn't fully prepared. A lot of it was going with the gut feeling numbers. I could understand it clearly uh, when it comes to looking at that business and, and the dynamics. And I did see the growth potential as well. Uh, so I was like, okay, this this seems good enough because if I don't do this now, then when would I find another opportunity? And then, you know, at certain point, I got to like, you know, get, move on with this. So absolutely, absolutely. So you've got, you've got your senior care business, obviously, you know, there were some challenging times, but you're starting to turn it around. And, and like you mentioned, you had a multiple, you know, in regards to valuation and cash flow that made sense. And I think that's a big thing for businesses, because a lot of folks see revenue numbers or EBITDA numbers, and it kind of equates to buying a job right? You know, with the amount of effort you need to do, there's got to be some upside in there from an equity perspective. You're either building something that you can sell or you're doing something that you could potentially eventually automate and, you know, just have iterative ongoing cash flow streams moving forward. And so I think that's a big recommendation for folks looking at businesses. And I think the struggle with some, when when you look at purchasing smaller businesses is you have to understand how much the owner is actually working in the business, right? If if, if it's absentee, and of course, every business broker is going to always try to sell you, oh, this is hundred percent absentee, right? They're all going to say, that that's 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 their job that's by law i think they're required to say it can be ran absentee um but i just think that's a great point to talk through and, and think through so you've got your your senior care business you've got a couple real estate investments going on so where did things take off from there yeah so after that i started leveraging the senior care business just buy more properties and the business is slowly growing and i'm i'm getting some extra time i left pharmacy at that point and then i realized that you know, with real estate, I realized two important things. The number one thing was I need to think about scale. It's just not a matter of me buying some properties and earning some cash flow anymore. I've already proven that to me, getting great return. How do I, what is my long-term vision? And I realized in the world of real estate, there's always, you'll always need capital if you want to buy properties. It doesn't matter if you have a partner as what strategy you use, you always need that. And I had folks started reaching out to me. They're like, wow, how are you able to quit pharmacy and build the investments and all that? And I realized to place all this money, this small structure wouldn't work. The three unit, five unit buildings could only take so many investors. So then my route, uh, mine went into the syndication world. And I was like, okay, I need to work on uh, raising capital and I wanna work on buying multifamily. And then slowly, like that journey started. So you you bought a couple of rentals, and then you started transitioning into syndication. So group group investments, you know, pooling investor capital. Why'd you land on multifamily? I mean, you you know, it seems like you're probably pretty you're interested in different asset classes. So I'm sure you probably at least looked around a little bit at different ones. Why'd you end up landing on multifamily? Yeah, so I I didn't research a lot of asset class at that time, but it just made sense to me that if I'm making this business value add model work for a three unit or five unit, at the end of the day, it should extrapolate. Of course, a five unit building and a 300 unit buildings are completely different things and different nuances. But fundamentally, you know, the tenants paying the rent, they need a place to live and all that. It just made more sense to me to kind of start with that versus going to a hotel or self-storage or anything like that. So I, I totally agree. And I think that's the easiest for people to understand. The majority of people so at some point in their life, either in childhood or adulthood, in college or whatever the case, have lived in an apartment or obviously had friends or family that have lived in an apartment. So it's really easy to understand, right? Not 
everybody's owned. I mean, people have lived in a, or uh, visited a hotel, but you know, owning a hotel is a little bit of a different scenario than owning an apartment. You know, you've got the the nightly leases versus the you know the more annualized leases, and you know, obviously, office and self storage in mobile home park, they're kind of all their own different animals. So, um, so one common theme you've talked about is first of all, obviously your creativity in figuring out how to finance some of these deals, but then also leveraging the power of other people's money and, and other investors. So how did that, I mean, you know, when you think of a pharmacist, you don't necessarily think of a syndicator, right? You know, you think of a kind of a tactician and very, you know, by the book and like, Hey, you know, like, let's do this numerically and make sure that everything's correct. So how did you get more on that creative side and start looking at these other avenues to, to build money and, and actually start raising capital from other investors? Yeah. So one huge thing that has worked for me is I've been a curious person. And I think we all have a good amount of curiosity, but we might not follow it because, you know, for one or another roadblock. So I always followed my curiosity. How would this work? How would that work? And let me just read a couple books on it. Let me just try to have some conversations. And I've realized when I kept following my curiosity, the interest went up on certain things. Then you slowly start getting the passion started building up. And before you know, you're like, wow, how did I raise this money or how did this thing happen? So I would strongly, you know, advise to, and and it might not make sense in the beginning when you're following your curiosity, logically might not add up like how you mentioned, okay, I'm trained in pharmacy, doesn't make sense to do this, or, you know, I don't have this personality, this doesn't make all of those noises come in. But if we just put it aside and be like, no, I'm just curious, let me just be curious and go one step after another. Uh, then interesting things, you know, happen from that angle. So what's your recommendation? So you talked about real estate, obviously business, anything entrepreneurial. I, I just think in general, yeah. it's never a bad skill to be able to raise capital, no matter, no matter what you're doing, you know, to be able to build rapport and, you know, sell a concept to somebody saying, Hey, you know, this is why I think your capital is going to remain safe. And this is what I think a return profile will look like. Does does that work for you? So, you know, what, what do you recommend for the folks out there that are maybe more in the beginning stages, be it buying smaller properties, buying businesses that, you know, maybe they've got $50,000, but maybe for the acquisition, they need $100,000. What's your recommendation for folks out there that are trying to begin that journey of being able to leverage other people's money and bring them opportunities, uh, you know, for financial gain as well? Yeah, so I could talk about this topic forever, right? So the capital raising and couple pointers I would want to share is at the end of the day, it's all about the trust. That's the bedrock. So a lot of times people focus too much on the technical side, like this is a great deal or this is a great business investment. And of course, it has its part. But at the end of the day, if the person's trusting you, then your chances are much higher. And how do we develop that trust? So trying to be authentic, And when you are excited about the product and your story and share that with the other people, the bond would be much natural. So I shared with my investors, you know, why I decided to go into real estate. And I'll be honest with them, talk about my struggles and my outlooks and things like that. And then they could sense that. And then it was much easier to build that connection. After the connection is built, if it's good for the other party, then we could talk about business, so to speak, instead of working out the other way and just focusing on my need, which is to get investment. Instead of that, focus on giving opportunity. I realized that these other pharmacists and doctors and professionals, they have no time 
no energy. Some of them don't even have the interest to do the work, the due diligence, which I'm doing, which is okay. But that doesn't mean their money should be sitting around. Maybe, you know, they could invest with me or something like that. So for audience that's listening, you know, you have to think in terms of that. Who can you give that opportunity to invest in your business, in your real estate deal? And think this too. It's not about them making 8% return or 20% return, but most people don't invest because they they could understand, they could follow things, but it's always that fear. What if something happens to the investment? And once they invest with you, imagine what could happen. Now they might be all about this and they might research and be active themselves or look into some other CrowdStreet platform or who knows what could happen from there. So there's so much value an opportunity you're providing to the other person and also focusing on the education. Educate them on the risk, reward, put it all out there and then they could make the decision and you don't care either way. That that would make it much easier to raise capital uh, in, in my opinion. So Those are great points. And I think that's one of the things in my head and maybe it goes from being you know an LP and then moving more into into raising capital for for deals and opportunities is is presenting it as an opportunity. I think that's a great a great framing of it because as you mentioned and we talked about it before. Um, you know, it comes down to what the personality of the person is and what their desire is. And if they want to be active, then I think that that being a passive investor probably isn't the right path for them. You know, maybe initially in one or two deals to get a, an idea of what it's like and what to expect from that side. I think that's a great example. But if they're really looking to be active and you know, kind of like yourself compress and expedite that time frame into what that next journey or season in their life will be but to the folks that you know ha- love their career or or you know are fine with their career and are just looking for other means to grow a passive income so maybe they could scale back to three quarter time or, or half time or whatever the case is to gain and buy back some of that time so I think that's just such a powerful point is to really just understand and you know ask questions of the other party you know really understand what their why and what their motivation is and I think that's what I've seen from a lot of syndicators is they're really telling why this, and like you said, it's really more on the tactical side of why this investment's great or just overarching why real estate's great. And I just think if they started with the conversation around more, you know, what is the LP really looking for? Because the majority of folks are wanting time freedom, you know, more time with loved ones, family, time to do more things and financial independence, you know, not having to necessarily be there nine to five every day, because if they don't, they can't pay their bills. Right. I mean, those are kind of like the main things that the majority of people are looking for. So how do you distill that back to how this opportunity can help them reach one of those, you know, and attain one of those goals? So, no, I think those points are tremendous. So from your career, so, so yeah, tell us a little bit about Mookie Capital. So you started that it's, it's growing, it's scaling. You guys are crushing it, buying more, buying more assets, you know, growing the portfolio. So what's the size now and what, what type of assets are you targeting in a market uh, is as crazy as COVID has made it? Yeah. So originally my goal was to, you know, partner up with some people and actually give my, give some value to my investors basically. So they could leverage the platform of the other sponsor. But as I got more and more into business, I started realizing it's important to specialize on things that you like instead of trying to be all over the place. So I, instead of me focusing on my deals, I figured out why don't I vet sponsors? Why don't I check their processes, check the markets they're doing, check their underwriting and 
partner with them. So leverage their team and their operations to bring out opportunities that I could vet and then bring into my investors. So last year, I you know had a complete hold. Uh, I didn't really do anything because I also got a registered representative license and I have an affiliated broker dealer because I decided that would be the right path for me to kind of serve my investors more and, and evolve this business model. And then this year, I'm just working on fun because in light of everything that's going, I decided it just makes more sense with the current sponsor to offer a fund opportunity where the investments are being diversified because for a, somebody who's investing on the lower end, it's difficult to get that diversification, right? If $25,000 or $50,000, you can't really put that in five or seven deals. There's a bunch of factors. So more focus is on the fund this year in Southeast high growth markets. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, so that's a pretty contrarian take to get the broker dealer license. So what yeah. what pushed I mean, very few syndicators end up going down that path. And when I say very few, it's probably less than 1%, you know, that end up actually going down that path. So what what made you decide that you thought that would be a good use of of your time and and for your business model? Yeah, so I realized that my goals are clear as to not buy apartment buildings myself. Think of this as, you know, rather than picking a good horse, you still have to ride that horse, right? Why don't I pick a good horse and a good jockey, right? Why don't I work on that's my business model? And if I want to do that and partner in a compliant way, then the best way for me would be to get licensed. And also this way, I'm up-leveling my skill set to really match investors with the their investment objectives and get the right opportunities. And then also with the broker dealer, I'm adding another layer that they are not necessarily vetting my deals, but they are looking at them for red flags and things like that and compliance things as well. So overall, the model is getting upgraded. It definitely slowed me down and it was challenging because I couldn't find people who have done this before. So I wasn't even getting the correct information on which exams to take necessarily. Uh, and, and, you know, I studied for something that eventually turned out to be a different exam, but I realized that there was an opportunity for me to up-level myself and let me just kind of go in that direction. And who knows what else would come from that business model. So. I, I think that's awesome. And I think it's a great, I think it, for me, it really shows how much you believe in the service that you're offering to, to, to the investors that, that you're targeting and, and you're, you're inter, interacting with. And, you know, obviously maybe you just missed the the licensure of the pharmacy degree. So you had to go in and get a, get a new license to, <laughs> to hang on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that, that, yeah. That's tremendous. And like you said, from a compliance perspective, I think it's nice just to at least have someone looking over your shoulder. Like you said, you know, they're not validating or invalidating if, Hey, this is a good investment are not going to be a good investment, but there's some, there's some red flags that they can find. So, you know, it's just that next level because anybody that's tried to vet any of these deals from an LP perspective, it's so complicated. I mean, yes. the complexity of just even one segment of the deal, I mean, you know, even somebody that's an expert or very knowledgeable on the topic, it just gets, it gets daunting. Right. And so I do think it's good, especially if you're starting off earlier on to get advice and to have folks that have got that experience, you know, even if it's not necessarily, you know, working, investing capital through them, but at least, you know, joining one of these different groups, masterminds, coaching programs, or whatever the case is, just to at least get your confidence and competence up because yes. there unfortunately are some bad actors in, in there in the world right now. And, and there are folks that are getting very aggressive with their assumptions moving forward. And that's kind of, that's my problem that I'm running into is I'm trying to be aggressive, but I also, you know, I know that, you know, some of these assumptions the market is making are just a little bit past what I can see. And, you know, we don't know what the Fed's doing, right? I think that's the biggest elephant in the room is what's, what, what are the global 
your uh, central bank's going to continue doing from a printing perspective. So, well, so, so not only all that, so obviously you got Mookie, you've got your senior care business, and now you, you've got a coaching program too. So, so how'd you get into coaching? And I mean, obviously I've, I've enjoyed just the, the your thought process and mindset, you know, commentary throughout the entire interview, but yeah. Wh- wh- how'd you get into coaching and, and how did that all start? Yeah, so that that was such an unexpected thing. I never set out to be in the coaching world. But back when I started raising capital and growing Mookie Capital, I bumped into a coach and I thought I hired him so I could develop my real estate business better. But turns out I went into a complete other direction. I started going to Tony Robbins event. Then I, I went with Wim Hof, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And after two years and spending so much time and energy and investing so much money into this, I realized something. I'm like, nobody in the world of real estate would do this much if they were not interested in this personal development, the mindset, the psychology piece. I'm not doing this to increase my business, but I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun. And then people have always told me, you know, hey, I like your presence or I like some people connect with me in terms of strategizing and things. And then I realized that the fulfillment piece, when it comes to helping somebody get to their goals, is huge factor. And I, I asked myself the same question, even if I'm getting more and more investors and I have a lot of passive income coming in, what would happen? Just like that pharmacy question, you'll still need to do things that fulfill you. So then I saw this coaching perspective and eventually transitioned into the high performance coaching as well. I love that. And I love the fact that it was, you know, kind of more of a passion project that, you know, eventually morphed into something. And I mean, I guess they're all kind of one in the same, right? I mean, at the yes. end of the day, be it passive investing or coaching, you're trying to get somebody to, to a, you know, to better themselves and move them, move the needle, right? Either financially or psychologically, mentally, limiting beliefs, whatever the case is. So, so, so I think coaching, like, I love it. Right. And I, I, be, I believe highly in hiring coaches, but also I think it's a little overplayed sometimes. Right. I mean, everybody Absolutely. and their mother's a coach. Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, what's your recommendation for folks in the audience that have thought about hiring coach thinks think that it could help propel them forward, but are having that challenge, you know, being like, hey, is this person really capable of getting yes. me to where yes. I need or, yes. you know, are they kind of pulling my leg a little bit? That's that's a great question. Funny thing is I just uploaded the YouTube video yesterday called The Complete Guide to Real Estate Coaching, where I'm talking about these nuances, how to understand this coach is a good fit for you, because not all coaches are created equal, first of all, right? There are technical coaches, there are mindset coaches, there are coaches there in between. And a big thing sometimes that happens is the coachee or the client assumes that hiring the coach will solve everything but it, this it's all about getting to the water you still have to drink to the water so taking responsibility of your results is very very important understanding the coach's personality and making sure you're solving the right problem right so to speak so if you keep bouncing from coach to coach program to program and keep learning how to flip homes or the technical aspects but your challenge is you have deeper limiting beliefs so you are not taking action spending more money on coaching is not going to help, right? Maybe you need to find a coach or something related to your mindset, or it could be vice versa. So there's so many factors that could go in, uh, you know, in terms of what kind of coach, what would give you the most ROI, right? And then also being understanding 
you must take action too. Coaching's only going to support you. It will accelerate your pace, but you need to have, and, and some coach might help you figure out your deeper purpose and drive as well, but you need to have that hunger to a certain extent as well. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't work because a lot of times it feels like, let me put the responsibility on the coach. Let me pay somebody higher. I'll get the results. And then the disappointment comes, right? I think that point is tremendous. And I think that's the biggest struggle is people want, people want the easy answer, right? I mean, people are inherently late. Unfortunately, we're, we're lazy, right? I mean, we, we want the easy solution and that's not what necessarily coach brings. And like you said, you can, the coach can lead you to water, but at the end of the day, you still have to drink. And it's funny because even in talking to folks like accountants, you know, they're like, I can tell you what to do, but if you're not going to take the right action, then there's nothing I can do to help you. Cause you know, a lot of times saving money on taxes, you've got to actually spend quite a bit of money. Right. And yes, so it's, yes. it's not just, you're not just, you know, skirting all these taxes. I mean, you know, you're, but you're getting a living benefit, right? You're either getting to pay for your car, your lifestyle or things that they're increasing the value of your life. And I think that's, why coaching is kind of, I equate that to coaching too. It's like, you know, they can help you and get you down the path that you need to go and get you to the point that you can take the reins and, and take it on by yourself. But if you're not really taking on that accountability and going to take that action moving forward by yourself, you're always going to end up disappointed, but, and you're going to be pointing the finger and blaming the wrong person regard, you know, instead of looking at yourself and back to that introspection, you know, back before when you were talking about sitting down, I think that would be an important time looking down and writing down, you know, exactly what do you want from that coach and what are you willing to put in? Do you have the time? Do you have the the psyche and are you ready, you know, mentally to actually take that on? So one question I think people run into, and I know I've struggled with it personally is around the coach that's, that's lived it, right. You know, that's actually been in that business and been a professional and successful in that realm. And then the one that's just maybe stronger, more psychologically and a more of a mindset coach versus actually tactical in the business that they're trying to perform. So what's kind of your take on the, the two different types and, and, you know, your opinion on one versus another. Yes, that, and that's the thing, right? They are solving, in my opinion, they are solving different challenges. It's almost saying like, Hey, do we need the cardiologist or we need the nephrologist? We, we need both. But if I have a heart problem, nephrologist is not going to help that much. Right. So, and there's a spectrum too. So I'm more on the mindset side, but when it comes to capital raising, I have the tactical thing. So if I have somebody that's like, Hey, I really want to learn how to flip houses. I have flipped over a dozen properties, but I'm not focusing on that, right? That's not my coaching expertise, so to speak. So number one thing would be for you to kind of figure out where do I need more support? Is it 70% mindset and 30% around the skill of raising capital, flipping house? Or is it 80-20? Like what is going on there for you? And then you could find a coach talking to them and understanding their style and approach as to like, okay, this makes a little more sense or it, it doesn't. And they both have their values, right? Because there are folks out there where their mindset's good and they just need to get that strategy piece, so to speak, and, and get that template and those layouts and get those questions answered quick in that technical sum so they could move. And now there are folks that have tried those things and or they've been trying to do something for a while and they can't figure out why they are stuck. They can't figure out why they are not productive. And that's where the psychology, the mindset piece will come in help. So I think they both have value. The real question is what would be more valuable for you right around this time, you know? 
back to the accountability and the introspection. I mean, I think that's so important is what, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. And, and, you know, what's the outcome you really want to have come about and, you know, which, which individual is the one that can more than likely get you there uh, for, for the issue that you're struggling with. So how do you see yourself and your business evolving? Do you see getting more into the coaching side or still trying to build Mookie or kind of 50, 50 or, or in senior care? So where's your future headed? Yeah. So I've kind of, you know, streamlined. So I've also done the luxury developments, the rental portfolio, but I don't grow any of those things. The senior care is out of the picture as well. I've sold the business. I'm strictly focusing on Mookie Capital and then the coaching fees. Because as I went through this journey, I started asking myself more and more questions. What arenas do I enjoy more? Where are, where are new challenges for me to grow my skill set? What is more fun? What is more fulfillment? And like we talked about that scientific approach, I could flip homes, I could buy apartments, and I could make decent money. But what new skill sets I'm learning? And do I want to learn those skill sets? Do I like the day-to-day life in these those roles versus these roles? So for me, it's just to work more and more on this coaching business and then Mookie Capital, just those two things. Because, you know, it's all about guiding people, whether it's more uh, investment income here or just working on your mindset to try to raise capital and things like that. And as I grow in this thing, then I could target audience outside of real estate as well and use these same principles because they apply to getting results in other fields and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as far as your, your cash flow stack now, so you know, where's the majority of your income coming in from? Is it coming in from W2, 1099, business or passive income? Do you make any business income from coaching or Mookie outside yeah. of your labor hours? Yes. So I do have, uh, I would say they are all divided like 30, 30, 30, so to speak, where Mookie Capital, not last year because I wasn't doing anything with Mookie Capital, but otherwise between that coaching, and then I have a huge stack of passive income from some real estate investments, some passive debt investments and things like that. So they are like all diversified into three stacks. And, and I think that's great. And I think that's what some people need to understand is, especially when you're trying to build it, you have to start with some level of foundation, right? You know, and it, it's kind of a, it's like a portfolio, right? So you're going to have to have some investments that are going to be a little bit more safe that are kind of your, you know, your passive investment. They won't, they won't have the upside, but they won't be as volatile. And you'll like, okay, at least I know I'm going to make two to three grand a month, a month, you know, from these investments, right? Just so at least I have a stable. So I won't go too backwards if, if I have a bad month or whatever against my expenses. And I think that's really important, but also I just... I love the diversification because I think that's that's important in case, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, Mookie went another year without doing any deals or, you know, the coaching side, for whatever reason, you know, took a backseat. You know, it's nice to have income coming in from these different realms. So, um, yeah, man, well, I've, I've, I've loved this conversation. As you can tell, I've really enjoyed it. So I appreciate the time and we'll wrap up here with uh, with the contrarian three pack. So what would you say is the most contrarian or off the beaten path investment you've made in, in your investing career? I would say off the beaten path would be uh, making a debt investment in a pharmaceutical company. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. <laughs> I, so I know I've done the debt on the real estate side, but I have not done it on the on the company side. So uh, that's really cool. I'll have to kind of hear about that another time. I think that sounds, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Outside of business, what kind of activities do you like to do with family and friends? I love to travel and I love to meditate. Meditation is like one of my favorite and travel and food. Those are like, you know, good things with friends, family, and in general. So I was going to say that makes a pretty good day, right? A pretty yeah. good week away. Yeah. And well, and you mentioned Wim Hof. I know that's, I've heard that name so many times. I need to check his stuff out. I know I've heard a lot about his, his breathing methods and different things. And 
you know, I think I'm just trying to get more into the meditation side. I'm by no means a pro, but you know, my miracle morning, I've got my little bit of meditating going on during the morning, but um, I'll definitely have to check him out. So, and then what does offer you the most fulfillment in life? Uh, I would say the most fulfillment is just to the more I get to know myself and, you know, I use all of those things to share with people too. And I know we all have different life and different journeys and things like that, but nothing beats the satisfaction when somebody's like, wow, I never thought of it this way, or this really helped me because I've so many people have impacted my life. And I realized there's nothing I could do to technically pay them back. It's just the only way I could do is I got to do that for other people. So that's, that's like the huge fulfillment comes from that. And just like realizing that no matter what position I'm in, I'm blessed. There's so many good things to focus on and things like that versus focusing on the glass half empty, so to speak. Yeah. I love that. The power of positivity. I know nothing really positive has ever come from a negative thought. So, you know, what's what what's what's the sense in, in thinking negatively? So no, I, I totally agree. Well, like I said, I, I've loved this conversation, Kate. And what's what's the best way the audience can get a hold of you out there? I know you talked about your YouTube t- t- tutorial that they can go take uh, yeah. to make sure they choose the right coach, but what's the best way folks can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So I could drop links for my website. I do have a five performance guide on mykatenpatel.com. So anybody wants to grab it if they want to learn what those five performance pillars are. And then for Mookie Capital, I'll include the link and then also my LinkedIn profile. And YouTube, I'm putting consistent content surrounding these topics as well. So Awesome. Well, Kaden, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Looking forward to staying connected into the future. Thank you, John. This was amazing. Thank you for, you know, giving the opportunity to spread the message and have this lovely dialogue. (laughs) Absolutely. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.